As I mentioned last week in the introduction to this series, uh, this series called The Fullness of Time, because I believe that we are in the fullness of time right now for the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit and the exaltation of Jesus. And, uh, and that's a key thing. As we're looking into this time, we want to see Jesus' name exalted, Jesus lifted up, uh, as never before in London. And so uh, we're looking at all the places where God has said in the Word, it is time for something to happen, and to see what he says, and, and that will give us some of the shape of this time that's coming, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, as well as prepare us uh, for it all. We begin in Isaiah chapter 49 uh, with verse 1. Now this passage here uh, is one of the, the servant songs in Isaiah. And the servant songs are all prophesying about Jesus. Uh, they all point the way to Jesus. Uh, and each week as we're looking at the, this fullness of time, we'll be looking at different passages too that uh, are pointing to Jesus. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and, is, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says... It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. So I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to the one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, Kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor I have answered you, in a day of salvation I have helped you, I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, come out, to those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways, on all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them, for he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Syene. 
Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. And then over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In the lead up to this passage, Paul is talking about how he, we are new creations in Christ and that he and the others are ambassadors of Christ, making God's appeal uh, on his behalf, uh, as they did as, as apostles. Uh, and so we pick that up from uh, verse 6. Uh, you can look at, oh, I'll start reading in verse 21 of chapter 5. For our sake he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, that's Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I don't know about you, but I am going to be glad when 2017 is over. 2017 has not been an easy year for me, and I know for a number of other people it's not been an easy year. For some of you it's been a great year, and uh, you can rejoice in it, uh, but it's been, it's been a tough year. Uh, a lot of obstacles have gone on. Uh, I've shared many of these with you. I won't rehearse them all. Uh, uh, but it just seems like as much as we've tried, as much as we've fought, uh, that we've, we're always on the edge of the breakthrough, but never really breaking through. And it's a push, and it's been a fight, and it's been a battle, and there's been a lot of spiritual warfare going on, uh, and a lot of attacks, and a lot of mishaps, uh, a lot of problems, uh, and a lot of challenges. And we faced all of these, and continue to face them, and we still are looking for breakthrough in, in key areas, uh, and it's been hard. It's been hard to overcome. It, it, it's, and you, you kind of sometimes you scratch your head and you, you wonder what is going on. And it's very easy when you're going through a season of challenges like this to focus on the challenges, to focus on the struggle, and to miss the fullness of time, to miss the opportunities 
that are before you, to miss the promises of God. Because we all have this tendency, and that is to focus on things that irritate us rather than things that delight us. It's a, it's a natural human tendency. You know, if we have a small itch, we'll focus on that itch, and we'll want to scratch that itch, uh, even if we scratch through our skin, because it, it annoys us, it gets to us, and we can miss all kinds of good things that are happening around us. And that is a challenge that I face, and that's a challenge that every single one of us face, and it's a very dangerous challenge when we're living in the season that we are in now, that the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. And as Paul said, and I believe that this is a word for us in this season, now is God's favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. And I think that's God's promise for us uh, individually as Christians. I think that's pro God's promise for us corporately as Christians. And I think that that's God's promise for us as Christians, as the body of Christ in Europe in this season. Now is God's favorable time. Now is God's salvation. And we must not allow the challenges that we are facing, we must not allow the obstacles that are before us, we not, must not allow the problems and the irritations uh, that we have, because I think we all have them, we must not allow these things to cause us to miss the fullness of time and that now is God's favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. And that's a big challenge that we face. And there's one that comes along with that too, is also understanding what it means when we say that now is God's favorable time. And now is the day of salvation. First, we need to understand, why is it God's time of favor? It is God's time of favor for us because, first of all, what Jesus Christ has done for us in the cross. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's also what Isaiah was prophesying there in Isaiah 49. Isaiah is prophesying that there will be a servant who is named by the, the father from his mother's womb, that's Jesus, who will grow up and be the instrument of salvation for God's people. Jesus has done that. Jesus has taken that upon himself. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we can have life, so that we can be re reconciled to the Father, and so that we can be God's people. Jesus has accomplished all of that. And Jesus did that not only for the Jewish people, but Jesus did that for all people. As Isaiah said there in 49, is it, is it, it's too small a thing just to do this for Israel, just to do this for a small nation. It's too small a thing that Jesus would die just for a few people. Jesus died so that all the world might be saved through him. All who would come to him 
and all who would know Him as Lord and Savior. And without Jesus, there is no life. Without Jesus, there is no hope. But in Jesus, there is life. In Jesus, there is hope. In Jesus, there is salvation. In Jesus, there is the favor of God, the grace of God that comes upon us. And so we can say that now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation because all that Jesus did on the cross in the empty tomb has been accomplished and anybody can step into it by faith through the grace of God in Jesus Christ. All you need to do is surrender your life to Jesus and walk into that favorable time. If you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you can. And you just do that by prayer and just say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive my sins and become the leader of my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And an encounter with God like that, by His grace, through Jesus Christ, God always is faithful. He shows up. And He will take you into His family and into His kingdom. And so there's no reason to delay because now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. And nobody should miss that favorable time. Nobody should miss that day of salvation because the only way you get into it is through Jesus Christ. But that's not all that God's talking about. And this leads us to the other challenge here. And that is that oftentimes when we talk about now is the favorable time, now is the day of salvation, we tend to talk about it in terms of what do I get out of it? A lot of times that's our attitude when it comes to the grace of God. And, and part of that is the way that the gospel has been presented for the last 50, 60 years sometimes uh, throughout the world. Uh, a lot of times we present the gospel and say, hey, come to Jesus and your life's going to work out. Uh, you'll get your wife back and your dog back and your car back and your job back and, and everything's going to be happy and healthy and, and beautiful and easy. And actually that's not true. Yes, in Jesus Christ there is life, but sometimes you come to Jesus and things get harder. You know, tell that to the, the young Muslim man who, who converts to follow Jesus and then all of a sudden is ostracized by his entire family and they try to kill him but once they said that they loved him. You know, you can't say that everything kind of works out. But what we've done so often is that we have presented the gospel in terms of the personal cost-benefit analysis of the gospel. You follow Jesus and you get all these beautiful things. You don't follow Jesus and you get a little warmer when you die. Like hell, if you didn't catch that. Uh, and so, you know, we've wanted to scare people into the kingdom. We've, we've wanted to present the gospel in such a way to say, hey, you need to come to Jesus because it's better to follow Jesus than not to follow Jesus. And you get all these benefits if you follow Jesus. And it's true, there are a lot of benefits from following Jesus, not, not least of which is the fact of eternal life. But there's so much more than that. Yes, there are benefits, benefits about a hope, a future, a destiny, uh, promises of, of salvation, promises of healing, all these things that God is going to do. All of that is true, 
But we must not understand this time of salvation, this day of salvation, this time of God's favor, simply from a personal benefit analysis of it. If we do, we individualize the gospel and we take it out of the social context that God has firmly planted it in, that God has more to do with us in the world than just give us a good life. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. But to see that in context, we need to see what it means in the book of Isaiah, because that's where the passage comes from. It's Isaiah 49, verse 8. And you notice if you turn there in Isaiah, all the different promises that come. And we can just, we can just look at a few of those in turning there to the scripture. What does he say here? I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land to apportion the desolate heritages. What is God doing? Now is God's time of salvation. Now is his time of favor to give us to the nation. Do you know that God has given us as the body of Christ to this nation, to the United Kingdom, to London? God's purposes in us is to make a covenant with the nation that if they'll follow Jesus, he'll establish the land and he'll apportion the desolate heritages. That the nation, the land, everything around us can be transformed in this time of salvation, in this time of God's favor. Verse 9, saying to the prisoners, come out, and to those who are in darkness, appear. Now is a time where people caught in the bondage of sin can be set free. Now is the time where people who are under demonic oppression in their lives can find freedom, can find healing. They'll, get their, they'll be fed along the ways. The bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind. There's a time of protection because God has pity on them. God's going to lead them. God's going to provide for them. And these people, and God is going to make all these mountains a road. That means all the obstacles that have been in the way, God's going to flatten and make a way for people to go together in power to see things change and see things transform. And people shall come from afar, from the north and from the west, from the south. And because of what God is doing in this day of salvation, in this time of favor, sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. In other words, the promise of this day of salvation, the promise of this time of favor is not for personal benefit. It is that the church, the body of Christ, the people of God will rise up and be for the nation and for the world all that God determines them to be. And we as believers in Jesus Christ have a part in this, have a heritage in this. It means that in this day of salvation, in this time of God's favor, we're not looking at what we get out of it, but we look for what we contribute to it. Because by God's favor, he has invited us as his people to be part of it. 
This means for each and every one of us, we have a mission focus in our lives. You know, you have a mission, you have a purpose in your life. You have things that God wants to do in your life and through your life. And that's what we need to be looking for because now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. That's what God's calling us to. And the question is, what is the role that God has for you in this? And what is the role that God has for City Temple in this? Because when God brings this day of salvation and this time of favor, it's never just for an individual. It's for us together as the people of God to walk into and to move into. And there's another dynamic to this time of God's favor, this day of salvation. And that is in this call, we are working together with Jesus. And so the issue is, will you receive this salvation, this grace of God in vain? That's what Paul says. He says, I appeal to you, don't receive this in vain. Don't just think it's for yourself. Don't receive this as an em- in an empty way. If you are really a Christian, then you need to step forward into what God has for you. And if you don't know what God has for you, then you need to start seeking what God has for you and step out into it and step forward into it. And if you need some clues, just read the Scripture because we know that God has certain things for all of us like prayer, like sharing our faith with other people, like praying for healing for the sick, proclaiming God's word. All of these things are for all of us. And so we're called not to receive this grace of God in vain. And we're also called not just to look on what's on the outside, which takes us back to the place where we began in terms of our circumstances. Because so often we evaluate the impact that we're making based on what we see at the time. So often we evaluate whether or not things are going well for us, whether or not the favor of God is upon us by looking at our circumstances. But as Paul is pointing out here, that's never the right sign. And Paul uses his own life here. I mean, you'd think the super apostle Paul, I mean, he's acknowledged by many people to be maybe the greatest of all the apostles, certainly has written a lot and the one that we talk about the most. Uh, And you'd think about Paul and say, yeah, you know, Paul must have had a really good life. He must have had great circumstances. uh, And we need to really look at Paul and see the sign of God's favor on his life. And so what was the sign of God's favor on the life of Paul here? He said, we put no obstacle in anyone's way, verse 3, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Okay, this is great. You know, so, so if we think about it as we think today, uh, we commend ourselves by, we have our own YouTube channel, 
Uh, we have maybe 10 best-selling books, perhaps. Uh, we, we have a, a regular TV show, a regular radio show, uh, or we've got a, a big job and we're making a lot more money, uh, and, uh, or we're very healthy and we really feel good all the time. And people say, how you doing? We say, oh, I'm great. Thank you. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, and we'd say, okay, all of these are signs of God's favor. And I tell you, in my life, I've heard all of these things mentioned at some point in time as an indicator of the favor of God that commends a servant of God to people. That's what I've seen. Now, what does Paul say? What, what are the things that Paul says, hey, let's look at our lives and let's see how we commend ourselves to God in every way. By great endurance and afflictions. Hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. What is that? And so often, if we go through any of these things, we say, God, why are you so against me? But Paul says, enduring these things and walking through these things and coming out on the other side is a way to commend yourself as a servant of God. We say, okay, well, at least if we're going to go through this kind of junk in our lives, uh, at least we, we can say, okay, we, we saw... 10,000 people saved. Uh, at least we can say uh, we've prayed for 150 sick people with cancer uh, and they're healed. At least we can point to all the stuff that we've done. So in light of let's look at what Paul says here. Uh, actually, we commend ourselves, Paul says, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness. All these things are internal, by the way. The Holy Spirit. That's the presence of the Spirit in their, in their lives. Genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God. Notice how where the power of God comes in this. And it's the power of God to transform them and empower them to live in this way. And then with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. That's living the life of righteousness before God. That's how you live. That's not about all the stuff that you do. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. In other words, it doesn't matter what people are saying about him. Some people are going to slander him. Some people are going to praise him. Some people are going to dishonor him. Some people are going to honor him. He's not going to get caught up in either one. We are treated as impostors and yet are true. We are treated as dying and behold we live. We are treating as people who are punished yet we're, we're not dead yet. Reminds me of that uh, scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And they bring the, I'm not dead yet. And he says we're not dead yet. As sorrowful, people look at us as sorrowful faced people and yet we're always rejoicing. 
People think that we're poor, but actually we're making many people rich. People think that we don't have anything, that we have nothing, but actually we possess everything. Notice how Paul has commended himself. It is not the way that people commend themselves today. It's not the way that churches and leaders commend themselves today. But Paul is saying, we are commending ourselves with these things. We're commending ourselves by enduring through the tough times. We're commending ourselves by being the people that God wants us to be, allowing God to transform our character. And we're commending ourselves by not basing our lives on the opinions of people, but we're basing our lives on the reality of Jesus Christ living in us. And now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And the challenge of God to each of us is that we would commend ourselves to one another and to others in the same way. I was deeply encouraged a few months ago. I was in Germany uh, with a guy there, a, a younger church leader, uh, who's asked me to mentor him and, and encourage his church and things, and, and that's always a privilege to do that. And we were walking along one day, and he said to me, you know, he said, Rod, the reason that I trust you is not because you have a big church and, you know, you've got this tremendous resume and you've written books and all that. The reason why I trust you is because you've been in the trenches for years, just like I have, and you're still standing and you're still walking faithfully before the Lord. There's so much that commends us in these things. So much. So now is the time of salvation. Now is the day... Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor because of what Jesus has done for us. Because Jesus has called us now to be a blessing to the world. Because Jesus is working in us to commend us to the world as people who will endure, as people of character, and as people who, don't who, who won't base our lives on what people say about us. And this is absolutely essential because when we declare that now is the time of God's favor and now is the day of salvation, we're also saying that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is coming when God God is going to accelerate everything that he is doing and everything that he's doing in and through us. And we need to be ready. We need to know that God is going to use us and that God is going to work in us and through us. And we need allow, to allow God to do his work in us. So that as the Spirit of God is poured out, we can receive all of the grace, all of the favor, all of the blessing, all the salvation, everything that's in that moment and move forward to accomplish everything that God has for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. You are absolutely important to God, every single one of you. And this time of salvation this time of God's favor is for each and every one of us as well as for all of us together. And God is preparing us, making us ready. I had a bit of a metaphor that came to me as I was praying while I was in the United States. 
thinking about the season that is coming, and many, many leaders are prophesying about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit now. Many, many people are expecting it to happen here in Europe. And there have been many people, there have been many things that have been happening around London, around the United Kingdom, uh, around Europe even in this day, where over the last year, where I've heard people say, well, this is the revival, this is what's coming, uh, this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, none of those things have been it. But it's coming. And it's going to be bigger than most people realize And the metaphor that came to me is the metaphor of a surfer. Uh, Now, you'll never see me on a surfboard unless it was here in the middle of the aisle. I could probably stand on it reasonably well, but certainly not in the ocean. The thing that I really love about the ocean is that it's salt water. The thing that I really love about salt water is the bigger you are, the more you float in salt water. That's really the cool thing for me about salt water. Because I'm big, so that means I float and I don't drown like I normally do in fresh water. Uh, but I had a, a picture of myself as a surfer uh, out on the, the west coast of the United States. It had to be the United States. If I, it, I'd had the vision here, it had been up in Scotland. But at the west coast of the United States, and I'm sitting out there on the surfboard, uh, and I'm waiting for the wave. And the big wave is coming. Now, the thing is that there, when you're waiting for the big one, there's a lot of little ones that start to come in. But you don't want to get on the little one. If you jump on the little one, you'll miss the big one. Because if you jump a little wave, by the time the little wave has expended itself, the big wave, you miss it. So you have to be ready and you have to be looking and you have to be prepared to ride the big one. And that's what God is doing in this time of fullness, in this time of favor. He's preparing us. He's prepared us through Jesus in His death and resurrection. He's prepared us by giving us a calling and a destiny and a future. He's prepared us by working within us to help us to be enduring and help us to have character and uh, and to help us to keep going no matter what people say about us or think about us. And we're, we're there and we're looking for the wave and the wave's not here yet, but this is my prayer and it's it's the prayer that I've been praying, and it's a prayer that I hope every single one of you that will pray, that when that big one comes, which is going to be a tsunami-sized wave, we're not looking at a, a normal big wave, we're looking at a tsunami-sized wave. When that big one comes, my prayer is, God, let me ride that wave for at least the next 20 years. We need to be ready. And now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's coming. Thank you for all the promises you've given us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts right now as we worship you. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus, who has not surrendered their lives fully to Jesus, that I pray as we worship that you'd lead them to go on their knees and to submit their lives to Jesus through prayer to do business with you right now. Lord, I pray also that as we go before you in worship, that if there's anyone here who has been looking to 
their salvation to your grace just for their personal benefit and not for the benefit of the people around them, their family, their church, and even the nation. If there's anyone who's been looking at their salvation from an individualistic perspective, I pray, Father, that you'd stir us in our hearts and lead us to repent of that and begin to reveal our destiny as a people who will bless the entirety of London and the United Kingdom in this outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And let us begin that blessing, not when the Holy Spirit comes, but let us begin to see ways we can bless others now. Lord, anybody that's been looking uh, oriented toward selfishness, self-centeredness in their walk with Jesus, I pray you'd break us out of that, Lord God. And I pray, Father, as well, that as we worship you, I pray that there'd be a release for everybody who's been feeling condemnation because they haven't seen the fruit that they want to see in their lives. Just break off that condemnation and let them know that the precious fruit takes time. And Lord, I pray that you'd break off discouragement from anyone who's been looking at their outward circumstances as a way to evaluate the quality of their faith. Break off that discouragement, Lord, as we worship you. And Father, I pray that you'd also, by your Spirit, break off any sense of doubt or unbelief that anyone has here that when you pour out your Spirit in power, they will miss it. And they won't be ready. Lord, we renounce all the wrong things that people have said about us. We renounce every curse spoken against us right now. And we break its power in Jesus' name. And Father, as we worship you, I pray that you would set us free. Set us free from what people think. Set us free from looking at the outward stuff. Set us free from looking at our circumstances. And help us to see how you commend us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Because your, condemna- your, your, your commendation is the only one that matters. And we love you, and we worship you, and we adore you. And we pray all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, let's stand.